This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by GoGo's Bootcamp. Are you a real estate agent looking for the very best media training program on the planet? GoGo Bethke is considered the top Instagram realtor in the country, and her step-by-step training program will take your social media game to the next level. Keeping It Real listeners receive a special discount, so please visit gogopodcast.com. That's G-O-G-O podcast.com for your special discount. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with top producer Deirdre Joyner. Before we get to Deirdre, just a couple of quick reminders. As always, the best way you can help our show is by telling a friend. Think of one other real estate professional that could benefit from hearing from top producers like Deirdre and send them a link to our website. They can stream every episode we've ever done right from keepingitrealpod.com. Again, that's keepingitrealpod.com. And also please follow us on Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash keepingitrealpod. And last, uh, I am going to be at the NAR conference walking around as a participant, like probably a lot of our audience. And so if you're going to be in San Diego this November for the NAR event, please let us know. And I'd be happy to say hello to you in person. And thank you for being a listener and supporter of our show. And now on to our interview with Deirdre Joyner. Today on the show, we have Deirdre Joyner from Red Oak Realty in East Bay in California. Now, Deirdre is a 17-year veteran realtor selling over 350 homes, totaling over 300 million in sales volume. Deirdre's production consistently ranks her as the number one or number two agent at Red Oak Realty year after year. And she was born in Berkeley to a musician and a teacher who became an East Bay realtor. They lived in a funky rental that cost $165 per month. Uh, The neighborhood was flat, friendly, and kids were out playing until the streetlights came on. And in 1979, their little rental went on the market for sale and their folks decided to buy an ugly fixer up in Oakland. For a few months, they stayed at their grandmother's home as they weekend warriored it, uh, bartering music studio time, for construction labor. Fast forward to now 1999, uh, Deirdre was a young mom and a wife and her husband and her decided to buy a a 1951 major fixer up in uh, Redwood Heights. And it was the perfect cul-de-sac location, blocks from the same elementary school that her mother, her aunt, and she attended. And it fed into her fervor for mid-century architecture. In 2004, she left the restaurant industry and became a realtor. She's from the generation in which true grit determines her destiny. She started with no leads, no clients, and a fantasy. And she built her business on the philosophy of working hard and thinking outside the box grounded in customer service. Please follow Deirdre on Instagram at Deirdre J. So that's D-E-I-D-R-E and then the letter J. Uh, Again, D-E-I-D-R-E-J. Deirdre, welcome to the show. Wow. Thank you. I sound interesting. You are you are super interesting, and we are so excited to have you on the show. Some of the best interviews we've done over the last 
in my opinion, of course, um, over the last four or five years. Uh, and again, uh, not just counting any other interviews we've done, but some of my favorite ones have been people from the Bay Area. Um, I don't know why. Maybe it just attracts a more interesting uh, type of realtor to our show. But we're so excited to chat with you. And you have a very interesting backstory, which I was so happy to, to share with our audience. Uh, but yeah, let's let's start at the beginning. Um, you know, I always ask our guests how they got into real estate. And I know you've been doing it now for 17 years. Um, but can you kind of take us back to that? And, and what prompted you uh, to, to make this your career? Um, well, I was in the restaurant industry and I had two young kids. And um, I remember um, distinctively that my son was uh, home with a high fever and I was given a lot of crap uh, by my manager at the time. And, um, I said to myself, this will be the last holiday season. I will be working in the food industry. Um, you know, my family obviously is important and I shouldn't be made to feel guilty, um, for taking care of a sick child. It's really hard for women so many times to be a mom and a working mom. Um, and, um, my mother said that I should uh, consider real estate, which I thought there's no way I want to do what my mother does, right? Like, right. Oh, come on, no. Uh, just on general principle, right? Like, <laughs> sure. I can't follow in your footsteps, no way. So um, my husband encouraged me to maybe pursue it. And I actually went to my local community college and took night classes. And that's where I took all of my classes for real estate and, um, and then took a leap of faith and gave my notice. And that was in 2004. So, yeah. And we, we should also mention just for anyone who's not familiar with sort of the, the Bay area in general. Um, but it, I, and, and again, I'm, I'm, uh, not, not a practicing realtor myself, but I live in Chicago and I, and I know, we have lots of realtors at our firm. So I think I have a general idea of the difficulty here in Chicago. I would say the difficulty ramps up uh, significantly, maybe exponentially in the Bay Area because uh, pricing, of course, is, is so extreme and probably a lot of competition as well from other agents. And you started, you know, back when uh, I guess the market was was really starting to heat up, but, but still, um, you know, I had to be difficult with no leads. It sounds like you didn't have a, a huge sphere of influence to, to draw from. So I'd love to hear about how you got started and how you did start to succeed, uh, you know, once you began. Absolutely. Because of course, at the time, my mother was a working realtor and I couldn't tap into her sphere of influence because that wouldn't be right. And, um, you know, I think like most people, um, your friends and family, they love you, but they don't want to necessarily use you until you get a little experience. Right. <laughs> right. That's uh, right. So, you, you know, they're like, yeah, we love you, but we're not going to allow you to cut uh, your teeth on us. So, <laughs> if you're going to screw up, screw up with someone else and then, and then come to us. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But my mother was um, in a position to refer me um, a few buyer leads. Of course, I did pay a referral fee. It was strictly business, but uh, I did a lot of open houses. Um, and you really have to put yourself out there for Oakland open houses. And I remember I thought, well, 
what can I give someone during an open house? Like I can give them information. I can give them my time. I can answer questions. Um, I remember we had um, like a Sunday open home guide that our little local ad review, which is this little private company that kind of publishes all the open houses, the hours open, et cetera. And I would print that out and I would staple my business card. And I said, if you want to receive this every week, um, I can email it to you if you give me your email address. And so I was like, well, I want to give them something of value or, you know, if you like this, you know, I'm happy to look up some other options for you because really and truly no one cares about you. It's really right. about them and their right. process. Um, at the same time, uh, there was this huge amount of um, kind of um, uh, cheerleading from my office, which was um, trying to jumpstart some new agents to do door knocking. Um, so I do remember doing some door knocking. Um, I hated it. Um, <laughs> but I was like, well, if this is what I have to do. This is what I have to do. Um, I started a blog. I mean, I blogged about the most hideous things starting out, like, cause I had really nothing to say, no experience, right. nothing to draw in. I mean, I, I had to go back and kind of delete some of those. Cause I was like, wow, that's pretty bad. Um, but open houses, I really kind of chalked up as a numbers game. And I will say that it's probably different than it is now. Back in 2004, five, six, seven, less people came to uh, open houses with realtors already. Um, you, you had an opportunity to be in front of people who were unrepresented. I think now because technology has grown so fiercely, um, a lot of people are doing a lot of research and finding agents ahead of time online, through Yelp, through other avenues. But at that time, that was a really good avenue for me. Um, and that really helped. I remember one of my big breaks in real estate was uh, there was a veteran agent who uh, had a listing interview in a neighborhood that's not far from mine. It's called the Laurel District of Oakland. Sure. And um, she said, Oh, let me pick your brain. You know that area. I don't know that area. So I gave her a few little things about the neighborhood. And then I followed up with her. See, that's like the whole key, I feel like, in real estate is following up just with everything. And um, I said, how did your appointment go? And she says, well, I think it went well. Um, but I did have to ask directions to get back to the freeway. Mm. I was like, wow, that's not a good look. You're trying to sell their house and you don't know how to get to the freeway home. Okay. And she said, I tell you what, maybe I'll refer this to you and you can help them. But I have to tell you, I will want a referral fee. Mm. And this is already referred to me. So you'll have to pay two referral fees. Oh, no. If you're willing to do that, I'll refer it to you. And I did. <laughs> So you're basically the third realtor yes. <laughs> down yes. the line, but, but you were hungry and it was worth it. It was worth it. And, you know, a month later I got a listing around the corner and then there you go. I have two listings in a neighborhood that's very specific and you can build on that. Sure. Um, so I think it's grit and it's, and it's really, you know, putting in the time and knowing that one day it will come back to you, but you don't know when. And you just have to have that faith. 
And, and I guess you really don't know how either, right? Like it, it just, in this, in this way, one of your listings came from a referral of a referral. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I, I've had, gosh, hundreds of people on our show. And I don't think anyone has particularly, you know, mentioned, I'm sure other people have, have been in that situation, but it, it, that's a way that you wouldn't expect for, for a, a lead to come. Um, and I wanted to just circle back very quickly to something I think you said that, or that you said that I, I believe is very uh, interesting and important to our audience, which was because open houses are, are still obviously, uh, you know, quite successful depending on your market. Certainly it's, it's a, you know, an activity that most of the, our listeners are probably involved in, but this idea of providing something of value as I'm sort of cycling back through my memories of all of our different episodes and trying to remember if anyone has specifically talked about this, I'm not sure that anyone has, and it's such a simple idea, but it's so powerful. And I'm really grateful that you talked about it instead of just, you know, Hey, here's the brochure. Here's my information. Here's, you know, whatever about you, um, or the home itself, which of course, I'm sure you had some of that material too, but this idea of, Hey, I've got this cool thing that I can send you and I'll staple my car to it. In fact, if you just give me your email, I'll do that every week. That's a really brilliant strategy. And I know you just sort of said it uh, matter of fact, but, but I want to kind of just step on it a little bit because I think it's really smart because now you have somebody's contact information, whether they work with you or not, you're going to be able to market to them in whatever fashion you think is appropriate, really indefinitely. Um, so that, that really is brilliant. And even if they end up not using you, maybe they get hooked on your content and the content you send them and maybe they pass it around or, you know, refer you to other people. So I know for you, that was just probably a minor detail, but I think, gosh, what a great smart idea that I don't think anyone else has ever mentioned on our show. So, um, so thank you for that. Well, absolutely. I do think that, you know, so many times I, you know, look at other people's websites. I look at other people's content, I look at how people sell themselves and I think that's great. You do have to sell yourself. You do have to be your own advocate. You have to negotiate for yourself because frankly, you have to prove to your clients that you're going to negotiate for them. And you're showing that by standing up and negotiating for yourself, but really and truly it's just like life. You know, you might date someone because they're nice, but you like how they make you feel right? Yeah. You like how they make you feel. And, and so you, that same concept, I think really works well in client relationships, right? Your client wants to feel well taken care of. And someone wants to feel like maybe you have some insight and knowledge that they can't readily get themselves. And so sometimes I have had clients call me or someone take my card and call me um, after the fact saying, you know, you know, you were talking about the market, you answered questions, you, you made me feel comfortable. I think that, you know, I want to talk to you about maybe being my realtor. So I think just providing something with nothing, expecting nothing in return is really the key. Yeah, I agree. And I also know that for you, salesmanship or, or, 
you know, sales tactics are just not part of your toolbox, which I love because I think most people, not everyone, there are people that I guess like to be sold, but I think most of us really don't. <laughs> and maybe, maybe that was different, you know, 50 years ago when we didn't have as much information uh, as readily accessible. But now I think people just want good, honest information. And, and, you know, you basically just, just said that as well. Um, and I know that's a big part of your business is just telling, um, clients what they need to hear versus maybe what might help you win the listing or, or, you know, the contract. Right. Right. Um, I had a listing that I got, um, it was a referral. So one of my past clients recommended me, but I know that they interviewed three people and, um, the house was in general in a overall good location, walking distance to BART, um, in a high performing school district check three bedrooms, two baths, but it was on a highly trafficked street and it was next door to a very big apartment building. Mm. And Zillow and Redfin had their house valued mm, much higher than I felt the value was. And a lot of people look at Zillow and Redfin and they feel that those valuations apply to them, but they're not always, you know, they're great in some regard, but they don't know some of the subtle differences of the property. And so I told them, I said, you know, I don't think your house is worth anywhere near that. I would love to get that for you, but let me break down all of the solds in your area and tell you how they're different. And I thought for sure they were going to go with someone who told them that they could get the highest, a higher price. And they went with me and thank God I, you know, gave them the data and the insight because they didn't get anywhere close to that. But at the end of the day, they felt well taken care of, well represented, and um, there was no surprise at the end. Right. Because we started with that candid conversation. Yeah, I, gosh, what a, what a smart uh, strat. It's not, it is technically a strategy, but just being honest and forthright, it's, I, I I'm shocked it isn't done more often in this, in this mark, in this industry. Um, not that people are intentionally deceptive, but I think in the case of this listing, you know, maybe you wouldn't talk about the traffic on the street because it's an, you know, it's a negative, it's going to affect the value. And then the apartment building next door, it's going to affect the value and also having to discount, you know, Zillow and Redfin's um, estimates uh, is also not fun. <laughs> I just looked up this uh, condo I just purchased um, about five, four or five months ago. And it's it says on, on Zillow, and I'm not picking on Zillow. Zillow's a partner on, on this podcast. They come yeah. on every month. They're really lovely people. Uh, yeah. But it says that my place is appreciated almost uh, $150,000. Well, that is just not the case. <laughs> I would love for that to be the case. Yeah. Uh, and maybe I'd even sell it right away. But the reality of it is it isn't. And, and so even I get excited when I see that, Ooh, my place is appreciated, except then I actually think about it. I'm like, actually it hasn't. (laughs) So I know that that is, that is a really important conversation because even though I'm in the industry, I see that number, that Zestimate or or whatever. And I go, Oh, look at that. And then I go, wait a minute, but, but But it's important. It's hard because with the low inventory being such a huge driver for so, for so long, sometimes you're looking, you know, in a year's time, eight, 12 listings, and you have one that's a complete outlier, a unicorn of a property that 
you see rainbows when you walk through the door <laughs> and that's going to skew everything. Right. So that's the hard part. Um, and the, the other challenging part with real estate and to be able to articulate it well is, you know, for most communities, unless you're buying into a condo building that has a lot of volume to analyze, nothing is like in kind. So you're comparing kiwis to grapes right? and you have to know the fruit and be able to explain it. Um, and that's the thing that, 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 you know, I think you have to do is really immerse yourself and educate yourself so that when you are talking to clients, you have the confidence to, to speak out um, based in data because relationships are great, but there's a lot of people out there that are analytical people who are like, okay, you're nice. Now show me the data, show me the analytics. And, you know, you can't just be one note. You have to really encompass the whole, the right. whole picture. And you also live and work in an area that is uh, very tech focused as far as career and industry. And you probably have a, a tremendous amount of engineers and, and just different people that are analytical people in nature and uh, by nature and really do want to pour over that information. So I imagine um, that's very helpful. Uh, I mean, it's helpful anywhere because I think most of us want, want the information to be able to review. Not everyone, of course, sometimes it's just an emotional connection and we say, oh, that's our realtor. Yeah. But I, I imagine in your area, that's particularly useful. I mean, I, I'm, I'm stereotyping the Bay Area, but oh, I'm just you're in general. absolutely yeah. right. And you could be working with someone single or uh, someone in a partnership and one person can be a relationship person and one yeah. person can be an analytic and you have to be able to talk to, to, to both. But at, at the end of the day, um, you know, immersing yourself so that you can be an expert is important. And I also think it's very important to kind of stay in your lane, if you will, and work areas that, you know, you know, don't go too far outside your comfort zone because then you get yourself in a little trouble and then you get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Um, I, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I think it's, they, what do they say? It's the Jack of all trades, master of none, right? Like if you try yeah. to be everything to everybody and try to work the entire, you know, geographic area that, you know, in, in your case, it's, it's pretty vast. Right. Um, then it's, it's, you're going, you're going to have a situation where you don't know how to get to the highway maybe. And yeah. that doesn't look good, you know, yeah. in, in a, in a client meeting. Um, I, I never, ever get to this part of the interview and I absolutely have to, because okay. these two, these two stories are incredible. And I I've made a promise that I will not be, uh, you know, running out of time before we get to get to these going forward. Cause they're so great. After 300 episodes, I'm like, I'm never letting these pass by again. Can you please, you sent us so two great stories. One's uh, your funniest experience and one's an unusual, but we, let's start with the funniest one. The, uh, I don't want to ruin what it is, but the, the basically the $700,000, uh, okay. contract. Yeah. So this was about five years ago. It was, a <laughs> this little is great. Little, I, I had this cute little listing um, just to give you some context in our area, people underprice listings anywhere from 10 to 40% to try wow. to get, I know it's, it's, it's interesting, uh, but it's been like that for years and, uh, but people are underpricing 
to kind of um, set the table for a lot of interest, multiple offers. And of course, you know, you want the bidding war for your seller. Um, you know, when you're a listing agent, you have a different objective than being a buyer's agent. So this house was listed at $699. We knew that it was worth roughly around $800-ish. Um, so say th I say this to say um, it was a busy open house because, you know, at $699, uh, we had a wide audience. And the house was full. And a gentleman walks in and asks me, um, how much the house is. And I said, it's listed at $6.99. And he walks around and he comes back and he says, I'll take it. And um, <laughs> he pulled out his publisher clearing house. You won a million dollar certificate and said, I'll just sign this over to you. And I'd like to do the transaction right here, right now. And meanwhile, I want to be sensitive and respectful to everyone. Uh, I just said, you know, I'm sorry, we have set an offer date and, you know, I, I don't handle the finances directly. I'll have to refer you to an agent. And, um, you know, it was almost like you could hear a pin drop in the open wow. house, but, but, you know, I think that the bottom line is, you know, I treated him with respect and, sure. you know, he didn't like that. He couldn't buy the house right then and there. Uh, but, uh, he, he left and, and, um, and then we resumed the conversations at hand with, uh, the open house, but it just kind of goes to show, I, I mean, I think it, it was, it was like, wow, I haven't, I haven't encountered this before, but you know, at the end of the day, you do have to treat everyone with, with respect and kindness. And, and for those who are uh, maybe younger and aren't familiar, the publisher's clearing oh, yeah. just to explain what this is, was every person in America would receive this letter in the mail that yeah. said, you may have one, um, but it would make you think that you had one because they'd give you, yeah. um, they'd send you a mailer and there would be like kind of a fake check in there and it looked real. And, and then eventually, you know, they were, what were they selling? Magazine subscriptions? I forget yeah. what. Yeah. What's the Ed McMahon? Am I that was and then Ed, Ed McMahon would whatever the yeah. actual winner was, would yeah. they would do it live on TV and they would big this big giant novelty check. And uh, <clears throat> I was almost thinking when I when you first sent us that story that somebody walked in who was the actual winner with a big giant novelty check. But this was somebody who came in with a basically the same mailer that everyone else gets. And yeah. and you 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 really were put in a tough position because yes, you're in a room of other people. You certainly don't want to humiliate somebody. Um and, and, <laughs> and but, but boy, what a funny uh and and not to right. poke fun at that person, but uh boy, that's a funny situation. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that uh I probably submitted that in my younger years to think that, oh, I might win this. I mean, that's <laughs> oh, me too. I did that too. Shows my age. That shows my age. Oh, I might have won this. <laughs> I did the same thing. And then also, um, <laughs> I am, we have an astrology story. And, and, I, I uh, you know, I, it doesn't matter what I think of astrology, but, but I love this story. So please tell us your, your Mercury story. <laughs> well, um, Prior to this year, I wasn't very familiar with Mercury in retrograde. <laughs> and, 
you know, I had some clients and I met with them and um, they said, you know, it's really important that we get on before the next Mercury in retrograde. I was like, no problem. I look at the calendar, I see the date and I'm like, as long as I get the house on the market before that date, we'll do it. And we are, you know, managing maybe 10 different things to get done, also managing their schedule of, of, of work. So literally we have maybe a four or five week window. And so um, I find out that they actually wanted to be on the market and pending and everything negotiated by then. And I had to call and say, you know, I'm really sorry. I'm not... Um, really uh, well, well-versed in this Mercury and retrograde. I really just thought I had to get it on the day before. And um, they were disappointed. They were disappointed. I mean, I fell on the sword. I was like, what, what can I do? What can I do to make this right? Do you want to delay a month? What do you want to do? So we ended up um, going on the market and we did negotiate a contract during Mercury in retrograde. But we made it where they did not sign their final closing documents until retrograde was over because that was the actual documents and the contract to close. So, yes. So now I will completely understand if someone comes to me and says that they want to avoid those dates, that they mean that whole five week period or four week period that they don't want to do any negotiations during that time. But um, it was a little embarrassing. Perhaps I should have um, done a little research when they told me that, but I was like, yeah, no problem. We'll get on the day before. You know, maybe you could, you could, you know, find some astrology um, meetups and, and go and say, Hey, if anyone, is if Mercury being in retrograde is an issue for anyone I have experienced doing uh, doing this particular type of transaction. But it really goes to the point that, you know, different people have different beliefs and you have to respect and honor them, um, you know, despite, you know, your knowledge or, or you know, understanding of it. Um, and you have to, as you said, you know, take it on the chin if, if something doesn't necessarily go, go, uh, as according to plan. But, um, but, but I think, I think it speaks to your ability to, you know, again, similar to the other story about the gentleman with the check and, and I'm not putting these people in that same category, but, but having people who have different beliefs and, yeah. and having to say, you know, I, I, I will figure this out. I will make this work. Um, and, uh, and, and you did. And I, I think it, it really goes to your, your ability to meet people where they are, um, as opposed to where you'd like them to be. Um, and I think that has got to be one of the keys to your success is, is saying, okay, you're here. I will meet you here. I will do what you need. And, and I know that hard work, would you say that, that, you know, grit, I know you, you've, you've spoken about, is that the most important quality you think that, um, cause contributed to your success or, or certainly maybe one of the most? I would say it is probably the one, uh, one of the top three, um, simply because um, people are busy. Uh, yeah. You know, you know. Here's the thing: I am the biggest uh, <laughs> sensitive person out there. You know, somebody doesn't respond to me, I'm like, oh, maybe they don't like me. I mean, it's me hard. Too. You're really putting yourself out there. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes life happens and people are busy and 
Sometimes you don't get a response for a month. So it really took a lot for me to go, okay, like I emailed someone last night and the subject line was like checking in not to pester. Right. And I'm like, hey, I know you might be busy. I don't know where you are. I would really love to work with you if you decide that selling is the right thing for you to do. I'm here if you need me. And sending people maybe a second or third email that's not aggressive, but yet supportive and trying to figure out that fine line and that voice where you can articulate, hey, I'm just being proactive. I'm not here to be pushy. I'm not here to talk you in or out of buying or selling. Um, but I really did like you and I really do think I can help you and doing that when you've got no response and it's been a month or a week or two weeks, um, it's really like getting discouraged, not getting a listing, losing a client and trying to start over the next day with, um, with the faith and grounded in service, really that's the thing because it's very hard um, to to do this day in and out. When you think about it, um, and I get a lot of business from Yelp now because I've been on Yelp for so long, um, but you think about it, let's just say I sell 30 or 40 houses in a year. I might have some people who've worked with me in the past who are like, I'm ready to sell and, you know, there's no interview, but I've even had past clients decide that they want to interview me and another agent or two, because they've been told that that's the right thing to do. So you might be, uh, if you sell 30 to 40 houses, a hundred, sorry, that's okay. You might be, um, I'm going to put my phone on airplane mode. Sorry. You might <laughs> no problem. I thought it was my phone. I was like, Oh my gosh. No, no, no. <laughs> you might be on a hundred interviews in a year. Yeah, that's right. And you know, you will get rejected yes. period. You will be rejected and you have to keep going because, um, that's just the business. I mean, just think about it, you know, it, how you live in your life. You might explore multiple restaurants to go to. You might explore yep. multiple doctors. Some doctors are not going to get selected. Some restaurants are not going to get selected. And you have to tell yourself, this is part of business. It is. And you obviously have done a tremendous job building your business through uh, honesty, through hard work, through perseverance, and, and also just you know, being a, 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 as you said earlier, um, following up, it, it seems like such a simple concept, but I have interviewed so many top producers from all over the country. And most of them mention following up as if it's not, it's obvious to them, but they're always shocked that everyone doesn't do that. Um, so I am, I am so impressed with, with how you've grown your business. Um, and I want everyone who is listening to please, if you want to learn more about Deirdre, I, or if you're a buyer, a seller, a renter, an investor in the Bay area, the East Bay area, um, Deirdre would love to work with you. She is with the, one of, she is the top producer at her company and one of the top producers in the entire area. So if you are a, a, a realtor who wants to learn more about Deirdre and just see how she's grown her business and see a little 
little bit more about what she does, follow her on Instagram. Um, you can find her at Deirdre J. That's D-E-I-D-R-E-J. You can also easily find her. Deirdre Joyner, just Google her. She's everywhere. Um, and also, um, Deirdre, yeah. Um, if, if there is anyone out there who would like to maybe consider interviewing you to uh, help them buy or sell a home or rent, um, what's the best way they should reach out to you? Um, I mean, I, I love a good text, but email's great. Cause I can keep track of it. Um, and I'm D E I D R E at red Oak realty.com Deidre D E I D R E at red Oak realty.com. Thanks. Well, Deirdre, this, thank you so much for being on our show. We are huge fans of what you've accomplished and uh, your success and the feedback, or, or sorry, the, the information you gave on this episode is, is huge because it oftentimes I found over the years that it's so much about fundamentals and you are like a master of fundamentals. And so you gave our audience some really great fundamentals uh, today as a reminder of what to do to keep going and, and grow their business. Um, so thank you so much for, on behalf of Deirdre and myself, I want to thank the audience for continuing to listen and support our show. Please, we ask everyone who is listening or watching to just do one thing, tell a friend, think of one other real estate agent that could benefit from hearing this great interview with Deirdre and send them a link to our show. Easiest way to do that, send them right over to our website, keepingitrealpod.com. Or if they're a podcast person, just have them pull up a podcast app, search for Keeping It Real, hit the subscribe button. But please tell a friend. And on behalf of our audience and myself, I want to thank Deirdre for taking time out of her crazy busy life of being a mom and a business uh, owner and runner and, and a realtor um, for coming on our show and sharing her wisdom with everybody. So thank you, Deirdre, again. And we will see everybody on our next episode. Thanks, Deirdre. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a great day.